Hey guys, and welcome back to Leadership on Purpose. I am Blake Bozarth, and this is the show that's designed to help you grow your influence and lead with confidence and with humility. Today, we're talking about culture, building culture and building unity, as if that's not something that most of us in our companies and in our organizations today are having some trouble with, unity. And our guest today is Aaron Burke. He is an incredible leader. He's a businessman turned ministry leader, one of the fastest growing churches in America out of the Tampa, Florida region, senior pastor at Radiant Church. Founded this church. He's got some incredible perspective on what does it look like to intentionally craft culture and how it's not so much about what we want, but more about who we are. And how do you create this if you're, no matter if you're, leading a company, you're the entrepreneur, you're the founder, you're the owner, if you're leading an organization within a company, if you're leading a small team, how can you create a culture and build unity in a way that's actually compelling and that gets more done? It's not accidental, it has to be done on purpose. He gives a great example using Belgian horse analogy. You have to listen to that, it's very impactful. He has this mantra that he likes to say you, he would take united novices over divided experts. Love that. And finally, he has an emphasis on clarity. He says clarity produces unity. Where can we be more clear, give more clarity to our organization? And unity is a byproduct of that in so many ways when we cast that vision in a compelling way. Guys, there are some nuggets in this episode. Hope you enjoy it. If you do, what do we like to say? Be a river, not a reservoir. Who could you share this episode with that would also get value from it as well. Without further ado, let's jump into the show. All right, guys, I'm here today with Aaron Burke. Aaron, welcome to Leadership on Purpose. I'm very honored to be with you. Thanks so much, Blake, for having me. I'm so excited to chat. We've been catching up the last few minutes. I, I, I know that this is going to be impactful for me, and I'm glad that we get to share this conversation. So, You've, you've had a lot of experience um, in, in your life already in building business and then building a what seems to be a, a very successful and growing church. A big part of your success, I know, has been around the way you've intentionally crafted and, and pursued the creation of your culture as a team. Yeah. Can you talk to me about how, how have you approached that, especially as you as, on the onset of your organization? Yeah. How, how have you approached, hey, who are we? Who are we becoming and how do we, how do we intentionally kind of create it? I love that. Well, first of all, anytime someone says you have a lot of experience, it's just a nice way of saying you're a little bit older. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate that. So I'm getting on up to 40, so I'm getting up there, but um, yeah. So just a little bit of my background. I was a uh, uh, graduated from college, went overseas, became like a full-time missionary working after the tsunami that hit in South Asia. Uh, 2004, if you remember that big tsunami. That yeah. So I moved to a country off the cold, uh, I mean, an island off the country of India called Sri Lanka. So uh, moved there and then had this dream of starting this organization to help all these kids. And so my family is very entrepreneurial. My dad's own car businesses and we just um, always thought business. So he's like, hey, you should start a thrift store. I was like, I don't never wanted to do a thrift store. I don't even shop at thrift stores. But um, we ended up starting this thrift store that end up uh, funding what we were doing because I just didn't like asking people for money. So I was doing that, became a youth pastor at the same time in town and ran that, got my master's in business at the same time, got married at the same time. It was just a busy season. 
and uh, then ended up starting this this church uh, in Tampa. So my wife and I moved down here uh, nine years ago wow. and didn't know anybody in Tampa. And so we had this dream in our heart of what we wanted to start. And really, I think it always comes back to the fact of like, uh, you got to want to do something that you would want to be part of. You know, it's like, I think that's one of the big things when it comes to building a business. You know, if you if you wake up every day and you dread going there, it's like, well, you started it, you developed it. If you hate it, it's really, it's kind of your fault. So I, my wife and I decided, you know, instead of building a church that we think that everybody else will like, uh, why don't we build a church that we love? And so, and I think if it's what we like and what we are in love with and, and, and then all the weird stuff that we didn't like about uh, church of the past, that we would make sure that that weird stuff is not in us, first of all. So I think everything comes down to the fact that we're, is we were very intentional from the very beginning of making sure that we go, our culture is what matters most. Let me define, culture is, would be defined as like, it's like the soil on which you put a seed in. So it's not the seed. The seed, you can have a good seed and bad culture and it won't work. You know, it's, uh, for instance, let me give you a culture breakdown. All right. So culture breakdown would be the difference between um, Popeye's and Chick-fil-A. Let's go. So both Not, sell now, chicken. Now I'm tracking. Yeah. Both sell chicken. Let me tell you. And uh, honestly, let's just be real. There's times that Popeye's, the product is a little bit better. I mean, hey. it's some good chicken. But... <laughs> Uh, but, but there's a cultural difference of going to Chick-fil-A. You feel what you feel, the experience you have. Um, I'm guessing with you having two small children, you've been to Chick-fil-A a couple of times. Oh my gosh. My, I think my wife rents uh, space out of Chick-fil-A. Actually. Right. Right. She might it's, as well. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> so let me just ask you a question. If you go to Chick-fil-A and you say, thank you, what do they say? My pleasure. My pleasure. Now, isn't that bizarre that everybody knows they say that? You know what that yeah. is? That's a culture. That's mm. a culture of going, we're going to create something. And that's very intentional. Truett mm. Cathy, who started Chick-fil-A, he's brilliant. And this idea of going, I'm going to make sure that everybody says what I what you feel at that. I went to I went to a Popeye's the other day and uh, I went through the drive-thru because their, their chicken sandwiches are pretty good. Uh-huh. But I went through the drive-thru and the person uh, said, the drive-thru said, this is the opening phrase. What do you want? <laughs> like, that's crazy. What do you want? Oh, you know good. What I, want? I want good service. That's what I want. <laughs> good service, please. Yes. I mean, this morning I went to, uh, I went to uh, Chick-fil-A. It sounds like I've eaten a lot of fast food. But um, I went there just to grab breakfast and the little girl who was, you know, 18, 17, 18 years old, sitting there with a little, you know, iPad, it smiles. It's, you know, Mr. Burke, how can we help? You know, it's like, it's yeah. over the top. So what Katie and I decided when we started the business is that uh, the, the church, um, we sold a business when we started the church we decided, you know, we're going to create a culture that we're very intentional making it to a place that we know that when people come in, what they feel, what they experience is very intentional. And so we, that was all about the soil. And the soil is, listen, culture is, is really not what you do. It's who you are. Mm. So let me just let you understand that. It's, it's who you are. Like, 
you can only fake it for so long. So if you're just not a nice person and your value for your business is friendliness, but you're not friendly, like there's a problem. So if you're not friendly, that's fine, but don't make it a value of your company <laughs> because that's not a value of who you are. So um, one of our values, I mean, we're a life giving church. In other words, here's what that means. You're just always going to have a good time. We can be talking about a tough subject. You're going to have fun during it. Uh, we're going to laugh a lot together. We don't take ourselves nearly as serious as mm. we should or, or people think we should. And I think it's important. It's a value of ours. Mm. So I'm going to live that out. Um, one of our, our values, I mean, one of our cultural ideas is that we're not you know, for me to say that you're going to experience the most organized, non-chaotic uh, experience. That's not a, that's not who I am. Because guess what? I'm crazy. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not organized. I'm not, I'm a little chaotic. So don't focus on what you want. Focus on who you are. Mm. And that's what I've realized in leadership is leaders do a really good job at trying to build an organization and they don't do a good job at building themselves. If you will build yourself, you will build your organization because your organization is a reflection of who you are. Um, we say it this way in the church world, we say ministry is not who you, what you do. Ministry is an overflow of who you are. Hmm. So that's the same, same with everything that we do. So what I'm on right now is, and I know it's a long answer, but for this, but just I'm working on right now going, I'm going to stop developing, you know, the organization. I'm going to start developing the people because if we can get developed, if we can be raised up, then honestly, what an amazing thing that we can do to help uh, build it because now it's authentic to who we are. So I'm not trying to fake something. So um, I tell our staff, if we don't like one of the cultural things of who we are as an organization don't look at them look at us because we're it we developed it it's only a reflection of who we are so we're really intentional about that so one of our one of our uh, values from the very beginning is we want to be the friendliest place people go all week long friendliest place people go all week long we're intentional about that mm. so what does a friendly place do well you know, if I go into Home Depot and I say, hey, where are the um, lug nuts or something? I don't even know anything at Home Depot. All right, let's, where's the, where's the, uh, the bug spray that kills the bugs? All right, they're going to say, they're not going to go uh, somewhere on that other side of the building. You know what they're going to do? They're going to go, come with me, walk with me. Yeah. It's a cultural thing. So you got to figure out what that is for you. So we're very intentional about that. Man. So. Such good stuff. Such good stuff. I'm going to let you go. Tell me, tell me about what was it like on the front end, building, building this new culture, building this organization. And maybe how did you go about bringing in leaders that could kind of be an extension of, I, I love the way you started when I, as a founder, creating something, yeah. church, business, organization, whatever it is, realizing, Hey, what are we drawn to? What am I drawn to? Right. What, what, what am I passionate about? What do I care about? What, what, what really lights me up and how can I make sure whatever I'm creating is a manifestation of that? 
and can do the same for others, at least, you know, maybe have the same sort of values that I have. I want that, I want to draw them in too. So I love that, that starting point. What did it look like on the people front and bringing in people that um, kind of could embody that with you and kind of amplify, I guess, what you were looking to do? Yeah. Um, so you attract a lot of who you are. So again, going back to the, the make sure it's in you because you attract who you are. So let's just say if you're in an organization right now and you're really upset because everybody is very awkward, I would say, you know what? It's probably because you're a little awkward. So, um, so Katie and I tried to, uh, all right, so two, two things on this. First of all, yeah, you attract who you are. And then secondly, um, I would say that uh, whoever spends the most time culturally will always win. Whoever spends the most time wins. So what we were trying to do is we try to make sure that we were the biggest influencers in those people's lives, whoever God gave us for that season, um, that we were a big influence in helping them understand this is who we're going to be and this is what we're going to do. Um, I've heard it said that culture is, uh, it's what you correct and what you allow. Mm. So for instance, if somebody would say something, um, let me just give you an example for us. Um, for us at our church, we never ask somebody if, if it's their first time. Now, why is that a problem? Because in a church our size, uh, with seven locations, um, you don't know everybody. So you could have somebody coming for five years to the church and they get walked up to someone walks up to him and says, this is your first time. And what is it? You're going to be offended and go, I've been here for five years. It's terrible. So, uh, so what I do is, and I, this is all the time I'll be sitting in a four year and I'll hear somebody, a dream teamer, which is one of our volunteers. And they'll go, they'll go up to someone and they go, Hey, is this your first time at radiant? And I'll let their conversation in and I pull them aside and say, Hey, just want you to know, we never say that. What do we say? Oh, I forgot. How long have you been coming? How long have you been coming? Wow. Why? Because culture is all about what you correct and what you allow. Now, if I would allow them to say whatever they want to say, then that shows the lack of, of what I'm trying to build. So what we did in the early days is early days are like, it's like children. It's your most important days of development are those first few years. So you try to develop a teenager. It doesn't work. Why? Because you missed it. You missed the developmental days. Development in a child is, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, you start getting into the teenage years. And if you haven't ingrained it in them, it's gone. So it's the same thing with anything in an organization. What we did is early days on is we had to make a decision that we're going to start by going, we're going to be very careful on making sure we attract who we are. And then when people come in, whoever spends the most time wins, we're going to spend a lot of time with people and we're going to be very clear about what we want. There's some things that are intangible. Like you can't put your hand on like, okay, this is what I'm trying to build. But some of it, if you can, I would say when you're starting out, you need three or four of them. You just need three or four really clear things and going, this is who we are. Don't come up with 12 mm. that go three or four. So when we started early days, it's three or four things. And then when we did that, we were able to really evaluate and go, okay, are we correcting and building those things? Um, 
And let me just say something about uh, people, because you got to think when we moved to Tampa, uh, we didn't have anything. We didn't have a church for people to attend mm. to. We didn't have a product for them to see. It was a, it, the only thing that drew them other than, I mean, I believe God drew them. But other than that, the only thing that drew them was vision. People are vision deprived. They will leave a high paying job and take a pay cut for vision. Um, because people are bored with their lives. They need something bigger than themselves to be part of. And so that's why startups are so fun. Because you, you should be able to cast the vision to the startup and say, hey, this is what we're doing. And I would talk about it. Those first six months that we were here, you got to think we moved. We, I started recruiting in February, March. We started the church in uh, September. So I have six, seven months, nothing, no services. They never heard me preach, no worship, none of that. All they heard is we're going to change the world. It's going to be the best church you've ever been part of. Your family is going to be ministered to. We're going to serve our city. We're going to give money all around the world to missions. I, uh, vision, vision, vision. People are, yeah, of course, I've got to be part of this. Of course, I got to be part of this. They just kept hearing the vision. The vision drew them. So uh, you got to know where you're going. And so you got to know where you're going and you got to know what you want it to look like a little bit, even though in my mind, I didn't know what it was fully going to be like, but I knew a few of those things that I go, yeah. we're definitely going to be this. No, that's, that's, that's powerful. I, I love that people are vision deprived and they'll, they'll join something that has heart. Um, yep. so let, let me ask you, I've also heard you talk. I also heard you talk about unity and, and the importance of unity on a team. Um, what, Talk to us about that. What, what does that look like? How do you go about making sure that you have a unified team and, and why is that so important? Yeah. I mean, team unity never happens accidentally. You don't fall into unity. You, you intentionally move towards it. So I would say right now we have probably one of those unified teams we've ever had out of intense, intense conversations long discussions so a um, couple things on unity first of all the power of it you know i mean i'm sure your listeners i'm sure they've heard the belgian horse example but i'll give it to you you know like one belgian horse you know it's strongest horse in the in the in the globe can pull i think it's eight thousand pounds um which is huge i can't pull eight thousand pounds that's that's pretty remarkable Two of them should pull 16,000 pounds, but they don't. They pull 30,000 pounds. Whoop, whoop. Um, and why? Why is that? Because it, there's a power of, of working together. There's mm. just a power. Two of them that have been raised together from birth, the world record for those two was 50,000 pounds. Wow. So it shows when there's time, when there's connection, wow. there's just something that can be done that's almost, I mean, you have almost a tenfold return from those two horses without, with just the fact that they're working together. So unity is incredibly powerful. I mean, Jesus famously said it, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Mm. So you, you have the idea, like it, we can't win when the fight is internal. So what I found is, a couple things to to do it. I'll, I'll go like 
it's different. I mean, our church, the vision was the unity the first year or two, because there's so much momentum. You don't realize that there's a unity issue until the momentum stops. Interesting. But momentum resolves most of our problems. Hmm. But momentum, like anything, it is a, it is a uh, law of nature. It's going to slow down. So we're eight years in, and guess what? COVID did a good job at slowing everybody really quickly down. <laughs> so everybody's businesses were excelling and growing, and woo! And then they realized, oh, we're all in conflict with each other now. Why? Because the conflict was probably already there, but um, you no longer have the momentum you had pre-COVID. So what do you do about that? So a couple of things I would just encourage with people with unity is um, get, get laws of, I mean, uh, rules for engagement. We created rules for our, our, our meetings that are super important um, that just, just create a standard. When we have our executive team meeting, our executive team is four of us. When we have our team meetings, I mean, we have a, we print out our rules and put them on the table every single week. We've been doing this for a year or so now. Same rules. It's only four rules, by the way. Um, but what we print them out and put them on the table. Why? Because you got to remember. Because one of our rules is that we are fully engaged. So if someone's playing on their phone, we go, hey, hey, just want you to know. Remember, remember, it's not me. It's the rule. The rule. Um, someone says something in a dishonoring way. Hey, hey, one of our rules is that we're honoring. We honor each other. We speak in such a way that's honoring people. So you just got to have some rules of engagement. And, and then I would encourage people to don't shy away from, from the, um, from the tense conversations you grow through conflict. You don't conflict done. Well, grows the unity of a team. Mm. You, you don't believe me. Uh, talk to guys who have fought on the front lines of Iraq together. There's no bond like those guys. So it's okay to fight together. It's just not okay to, to um to personally attack each other so we have intense moments we're fighting together we're doing this stuff but man the thing that's most important i I think it's one of my primary jobs is to fight for the unity of our teams so that's amazing there there were some nuggets in there i I was i was taking some notes um so i gotta i I gotta also add a quote that i that i heard from you before too on your podcast um and that's that you said hey i'll take united novices Yep. Over divided, over divided experts. experts any day, united, right? United novices over divided experts any day, because we can get so much done if we are together in this thing. And uh, let me tell you another phrase that I'm using right now is that um, clarity uh, produces unity. Clarity produces unity. Most people are not united simply because there's a lack of clarity, clarity in vision, clarity in direction. And I've realized the more I can get clear with people, the more united people are around the, the vision. People are fine with it. They just need to know what's going on. That's, good. So that's, my sense. that's great. And I, and I love the whole angle around how conflict can actually, don't shy away from it because it can actually grow unity. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, and if you're not having conflict, it's actually a sign, it's actually a sign of, of uh, an unhealthy culture sometimes when, yep. when you're when you're avoiding it and um a, a unified culture is one that hey we have conflict sure we we can mm-hmm. disagree and we can commit and we can actually still stand together um so that's that's absolutely amazing there's there's some there's some gold in here i want to i want to transition i want to ask you uh we like to ask each of our guests Aaron. and i, I gotta ask yep. you 
what what is your why? This is about leading on purpose. Yeah. What is it that that drives you? That motivates you? Well, I mean, I think my ultimate. I mean, I have two sides of it. Is uh, one, I my my biggest why is that I believe in the mission of what I feel like God's called me to do, which is to win people to Christ, which I believe heaven and hell are realities. So my job is very important. Mm. And um, so I know the consequences of if my job, if I don't do it well. So mm. I think people got to remember, like, you know, um, my why is always going to be the fact that if I don't do this, then someone's not going to experience the life that God wants them to have. So that's one of my big whys. One of my whys that I help leaders um, it's because I think so many people settle for less than God's best in their life. So, um, and I hate that. And if we could just figure out how to activate people, and I feel like it's, it's probably the thing I love to do most in life is help people step into all that God has for them. So um, I find a lot of fulfillment in it. I hope other people get better from it, but honestly, I find a lot of fulfillment in it. <laughs> Amen. Love that. Both of those. Um, here's the question for you. What is one way if you had to choose one way that you've grown personally as a leader since you started in your career? What would you oh like? I've one way I've grown as a leader. Um, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow mm. to get angry. Um, just slow down. I mean, and this isn't a plug for my sermons because I'm not the best preacher out there, but if people go on our, our Radiant Church YouTube channel, um, I preached a message at the beginning of this year just called Slow Down. Like, hmm. I've learned in my life that not everything has to happen right now, today, quickly. If you would talk to me eight years ago, that's like what I did best. It was like, go, 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 go. <laughs> not everything is as big of a deal as we make it be a big deal. So slow down and just be careful what you say, because what you say really does matter. That's great. If you had to choose a book or maybe even a, a person, a leader who has had a big impact on you, who's really influenced you, who would you, who would you highlight who or what book? You know, I am a pastor, so I'm going to say Jesus, the Bible. How about that <laughs> one for you, Blake? Boom. The <laughs> ultimate. The only person that has ever said, by the way, I think the Bible is the greatest leadership lesson book and the and and the globe and i read it every year um, i read through the bible every single year because there's so many leadership lessons in there so if your listeners are not christians and and that's fine but i'm telling you you read the bible you will get leadership lessons and there's never been a leader like jesus um who served in the way he served who uh developed a team the way he developed a team who, by the way, 2000 years later, we're still reaping the benefits of his team mm. um, who dealt with rejection the way that we all deal with rejection, but he dealt with it better the way we do. So he's the best leader ever. So I'm going to, and in a whole, Hey, it's the ultimate. I mean, yep. even if you're not, even if you don't uh, believe in Jesus, there's yep. a whole, like the, the most popular kind of commonly accepted, Hey, this is the way, this is the way leadership should be servant leadership yep. is rooted on his story. <laughs> and he, yeah. he, he, he is the ultimate example of that. And uh, we had Jordan Rainer on also from your neck of the woods in, in Tampa. And mm -hmm. he says, Hey, for whatever you believe, it's hard to argue that he's not the most productive and one of the more impactful people that ever walked the place of the ever. earth based on the team that he built, based on the vision that he cast, 
based on yeah. who he was, all these things that you talked about today. So here's another one. You can't, you can't use Jesus on this one. Okay. If you could sit down, Aaron, and have lunch with any leader, past or present, who would you want to have lunch with? Um, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll do present just because um, I'd probably have lunch with Craig Rochelle because oh. you, you've got a guy who's doing what I'm doing, just way bigger and way better. And so he's the most impressive leader, I think, uh, in the church world. Um, no controversy, no scandals, stays under the radar. But pre-COVID was reaching 100,000 people a weekend in his services. Biggest he, church in America. He is an absolute hero of mine as well, yeah. too. Uh, across the board, church world, not world, like yeah. outside the church world, it's just some unbelievable kind of impact he's had as a mm -hmm. leader. Um, last question for you. Do you have a personal big, hairy, audacious goal, a BHAG or something significant to you that you're, that you're pursuing these days? Oh yeah. Well, uh, just wrote my first book. It'll be released later this year. Um, so that's a big goal. Um, Huge. so it's, uh, it's exciting. It's called the unfair advantage, um, story of the life of Joseph. And so it'll be released, um, hopefully nationwide, which is pretty cool. Awesome. Um, so, uh, the unfair advantage talking about how, you know, how to, how to leverage all of your difficulties to get to your destiny. So, um, talk about that. So that's a big goal. And honestly, I'm doing marathon prep right now. I'm running my first marathon in April. Hello. So that is my big goal. We'll see how that goes. April's April's not too far away right now, man. You, Tell me about it. I know. You're, you're, you're on it. Hey, this is, this has been an absolute blast. Um, I, I really appreciate you being a part of the show. Um, there's some gold in here. I can't wait to, can't wait to uh, summarize it as I, as I look back on it and try to put it into an intro. There's a lot to pack in. Um, but before I let you go, the final thing is where's the best place for people to look you up? Uh, Instagram, check me out. Instagram, Aaron R. Burke. Um, follow me on Instagram and put content out there. I uh, got a leadership podcast that comes out once a month. Uh, sermon content comes out all the time. So check it out. Aaron R. Burke. That's the best way. And, and is the book out yet? Or when is it? When is it out? No, no, no. It'll be uh, probably September. So, all right. Or maybe January. We're trying to work on that. So. Sweet action. Cool deal. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Um, I'm excited yeah. to I'm excited to know you and look forward to continuing to see the impact that you have as a leader going forward. Awesome. Thanks so much. How strong is your company's leadership bench? Do you feel like you have people equipped to step into the roles of responsibility that you need them to step into as your company grows? This is exactly what we do at CoThrive. I work with companies large and small to help them develop exceptional leaders. And we do this in a way that creates camaraderie and deeper connection to your company, all for a fraction of the cost of less effective alternatives. If you're interested in learning more, just find me on LinkedIn and shoot me a message. As always, guys, Keep leading on purpose.